Welcome to Week Conversations, a new video and podcast series bringing you insights with impact into energy, economics, and a changing world in the COVID-19 era. I'm your host, Dan Jurgen. Hello, I'm David Hicks, Senior Vice President of Energy, and I want to welcome you to Week Conversations, presented by IHS Market. Today, I am super excited to be speaking with Bill Loss, who's Vice President of Engineering at Amazon Web Services. Bill's career in the technology space is deep and extremely broad. Uh, at Amazon and AWS, and Bill, I'm sure I'm gonna tell you short on this, he oversees uh, the S3 object storage services, Amazon Glacier, Amazon Kinesis, and undoubtedly a number of other technologies that we'll talk about today. Today's conversation is really going to focus on the latest technologies, the cloud, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and many other data times related technologies and their impact on the energy industry. I'm going to look at it from a couple of perspectives. Uh, what has been the impact to date? What we're seeing that's successful, and then maybe just as importantly, where we'll see the future going as both uh, these technologies continue to evolve as well as the industry itself. Bill, uh, it's great to talk to you again. I wish we were face-to-face in Houston, um, but really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, David, it's always uh, wonderful to catch up with you and uh, the team at Sarah Week. Great. Well, you know, Bill, I think it would be interesting for our audience just to talk a little bit about your past to Amazon and AWS. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, where you've been and how you ended up at where you Yeah, so I actually, I paid for college by working as a doodle bugger on seismic vessels. Uh, and I worked my way through college in uh, uh, you know, actually a minor in computer science and a major in geology. And uh, my first job. I like you, Bill. I knew I liked you. Yeah, my first job. My first job was working at electric geophysical processing seismic data uh, and writing software for that. Um, and then, you know, that was back in uh, the early '80s. Uh, and then, if you remember that, you know, the oil business goes in those cycles. I actually had an opportunity to move to the Washington D.C. area and work in the defense industry, and eventually became CTO for Army Personal Logistics uh, and then CIO. Uh, for software and infrastructure at the Pentagon as an MCS there. Uh, and then from there, uh, I uh, went back into the commercial world uh, and became the CIO for Sun Microsystems and ran a number of things at Sun Microsystems on the product side as well. A lot going working with the oil and gas industry on high performance computing uh, and and uh, doing processing there. Uh, and then did my time as a startup CIO, a CEO, uh, running a company called Liquid Robotics that uh, served the oil and gas industry as well as the defense industry. So it was a nice combination of robotics autonomous systems and, and those things uh, that I was already familiar with. And uh, that got bought by Boeing. So I came to Amazon and, and uh, our, our team runs about 42 services at Amazon that range from storage to IoT to managing the uh, rendering from studios to edge processing uh, uh, to all the real-time streaming systems and uh, even quantum computing. I believe I've seen it's the largest software-directed storage system 
uh, you know, on the globe right now that yeah. you are leading. So that's, that's quite a mouthful. And you do not have a better background, as impressive as it is across the board, but the fact that you, uh, in fact, were on seismic vessel in your day and, and, and have a geology background. So what have you seen? You've been involved, and I know that, that AWS has is, is been pushed into the energy space over the last few years, but what do you view of sort of where the impact has been and, and how broad has it been and is it working? Yeah, so I think there is, you know, the, the some companies are going incredibly fast in their movement to the cloud and others are just getting started. Um, and it's pretty much across the board. I, I always look at the oil and gas industry as pretty, being pretty innovative. I mean, they can, uh, you know, uh, I know the exact position of a, a drill pipe that's, you know, two miles underground horizontally, vertically within within inches. It's, it's fascinating that they can uh, do all that along with the high performance computing they do and velocity and all those things. And, uh, all the downhole tools and other things like that. It's, it's just incredible, the technology that, that comes out and the innovation from there. So it's great for AWS to be a partner with all of these oil companies doing these things sort of across the board, along with a number of them that are doing transitions to renewable and our work together there, for example, with uh, BP, where uh, we're, they're providing uh, green energy to our uh, 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 data centers uh, on a large scale. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, and we the other, that's the other things happening in the hydrogen space as well. But uh, on the upstream side, uh, we're doing an awful lot with uh, companies uh, doing data lakes for subsurface universes and things like that so for the seismic and downhole data and mudlong data and all those things uh, pulling together. So one example, there will be the work we're doing with Shell with OCU, uh, where we you know uh, pre-developed that uh, and then we open sourced it with Shell. And now there's uh, uh, about 193 members, about uh, 32 uh, majors involved in the uh, subsurface data universe that we're working with on with Shell and those companies today. We do work uh, on the front end of the, the uh, upstream side where we're uh, collecting the seismic data and processing it on ships and then shipping the data in. Uh, so, for example, we have our snow products. Here's a, a little one here called a snow cone, which is one of the smaller ones. Oh, I'm showing show Telbuild. Nice. I, I get to actually show the device. So, this has got uh, an EC2 on it and uh, S3 uh, and uh, our file systems. Uh, you know, very rugged device, can be shipped. It's got its own shipping label on the front. Uh, this one's light enough to carry on a drone, but the larger ones, the Snowball Edges is what we use, have 100 gig networking and 5,300 GPUs and things like that on it. And so what happens is the seismic data comes in, it's pre-processed in real time. The QC data is done in real time on the boat, shipped up over satellites because that's a lower bandwidth. And then the detailed data, they're 100 terabytes per device. We just ship them in. And they're, you know, they're, they're actually uh, rated for wave infiltration and hurricane force wind and rain. So they can handle uh, operating on ships and in those kinds of environments. Um, and the data comes in and we have a whole series of high performance computing systems uh, with uh, uh, 100 gigabit per second per thread uh, interconnect with our new EFA. We won all the top awards at the HPC conferences recently. Uh, and that allows us with all our GPU processing and others and our new Graviton processes to do very high performance computing for seismic processing. 
processing uh, and machine learning on the traces and things like that. Uh, and then in the midstream, we're very involved with a number of companies doing uh, uh, the uh, you know the distribution and IoT systems along with robotics and on the downstream the IoT and machine learning, for example, with Woodside and others uh, for refinery side of things. So there's a lot going on sort of across the industry from really interesting projects where ConocoPhillips is doing uh, a computer vision and machine learning with us on the edge uh, on their oil rigs uh, uh, to, you know, uh, Woodside that's uh, 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 doing uh, robotic automation. And so it's, it's been exciting to be involved in, in that end-to-end uh, delivery of, of what happened in the oil and gas space. Yeah, I mean, there's so many aspects to this. It's, it's everything. But, you know, one of the things I hear underneath it, it, it must be you know, one of the um, probably top priorities is, is, again, safety and improving safety. And I would imagine some of this remote access and the way data and or devices can move and, and the robotics, that there must be a, a strong impact, a positive impact on safety. That, that's really true, it's especially so. Um, our Kinesis video product, product is, if you go look at the Amazon Go stores, uh, that's how they run. They use the uh, Kinesis video at the back end, and we integrate those in uh, with security cameras and things like that. Uh, and we can do things like with machine learning models detect if someone is wearing a hard hat or not and let the foreman know. Or we can detect if someone's too close to a pressurized mud line and things like that, or too close to the turntable on the rig. Uh, with um, a RoboMaker, we can do simulations, and we can do whole rig simulations uh, uh, and and do automation simulation. So we have a number of companies that are looking into robotic automation there as well. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of safety aspects to it, both in machine learning uh, and automation. Uh, you know, even in a former job doing uh, liquid robotics, where we had uh, the uh, robot do long duration operations, they can run for a year in the ocean, monitoring rigs and things like that, and they can operate during hurricanes, right? Where we wouldn't want to send a person out during a hurricane, right? They don't yeah. care. They're, they're powered by wave energy. They just get a lot more power during a hurricane. Right. They like it. Hurricane, right? So, so it, it's fascinating to watch all of these advancements happening. And then, you know, I think more and more will get involved in the subsea operations as well, uh, uh, you know, in robotics down in there. We're not there yet, but we're working with some of those early companies on that. So I, I have to ask the question about, um, in our current world in the pandemic and COVID, do you have you seen an impact of that one way or the other on you know the push for new technology? Yeah, we have. I mean, even things like uh, a Zoom runs on AWS, for example, which we're using right now, uh, and and a number of other products. As people move to work from home, as, as we are and as you are, uh, the ability to deliver, for example, high-performance desktops. So we have GPU-based desktops that give you the full capabilities of a you know, very expensive desktop environment just delivered as a thin client to any laptop. Uh, we see people looking to do, you know, their seismic trade and stuff like that remotely. Um, and uh, uh, just the other thing that's been been fantastic for a lot of our customers that were already on us is as the price of oil goes down, they can just turn things off. If they're running in a data center, they can't, you know, they still have to pay the capital depreciation. They still have to pay for the, the data center. They still have to pay for the operations, all that other stuff. Those are the, the 
of our customers have already moved to the cloud, they can just start shutting things down as demand shuts down and it just saves them an immense amount of money. And then, uh, you know, as all goes up again in price, they can turn it all back on at flip of the switch like that. And there isn't this lag of capital asset access, you know, acquisition and all these things that happen in, in the old world. And so we've seen, you know, companies like BP and others really uh, accelerate their movement to the cloud uh, and shut down. I think they have quite a number of data centers are shutting down uh, as they move to the cloud. And that just saves them a lot of money. That that flexibility is is the key. And that's one of the areas too, I think that cloud computing so nicely fits with oil and gas, because as you know, uh, the oil and gas industry, you know, lives on the, the, the price of a barrel of oil in a lot of cases, and it goes up and down for political reasons. They have nothing to do with the oil and gas industry. All sorts of reasons can cause it to go up and down. And so cloud computing, you can dial it up or dial it down. So when, when oil's 80 bucks a barrel, you can dial it up. And when oil goes down, you can dial it down again. And and you can't do that if you're running in your own data center. Uh, and, and you can't dial up fast enough. You can't dial down fast enough. So I think it's a, a great marriage to have uh, uh, you know oil and gas working with cloud providers. Uh, it really does uh, help give them that flexibility and capability there. Yeah, we talked about the capital changing the capital ratio and very figuratively, and the, the barrel oil was down a dollar, and and then capex was down a dollar, and that the industry yeah. is just jerked left and right. But what you're talking about is a crucial point, sort of changing that that capital expense ratio. So it wasn't that long ago, Bill, and I, I think it might have been when we talked previously that there was. The, the industry struggling with the um, perceived cost of moving into the cloud. Do you feel that, the, that we're past that at this point? Yeah, I think we're, we're getting there. I think there's still um, uh, people don't fully understand what it costs for them to run on-prem. Uh, I think that, that once they understand it, the cloud looks great. But a lot of times they don't load in the full cost. Uh, they don't load in the cost of the data center, the cost of their power, the cost of the people to run networks, the cost of the, you know, the, the individual components, all the software licenses, because a lot of times they're paid for by different parts of the company. So it only gets seen at the CFO level. But more and more we're seeing that, uh, you know, uh, a, a, big integrations to the cloud because they're looking at the full up costs. Uh, and also they, they don't necessarily look at the cost of what it costs to scale up and scale down quickly. What's their, their loss of opportunity because they can't, on AWS you can spin up a million instances in, in minutes, right? Uh, and, and go after a big seismic run. Right, uh, you couldn't go acquire a million computers in minutes and install them in your data center, right? And then when you're done, uh, you can turn all that off, right? You know, you, you can get exabytes of storage if you need it in in minutes, right? Uh, you can't do that when you're on prem, and so that opportunity value is worth more than than any cost of a data center in a lot of cases, and the ability to shut it down when things get tough also it is uh, uh, worth more than, than any, any on-prem cost you could have. So uh, I think as companies begin to understand that flexibility, well, you know, it's very hard to do, for example, advanced streaming on-prem. 
know, things like uh, uh, Kinesis, where we're streaming trillions of records uh, per day. Uh, it's hard to, to scale up to trillions of records per day, uh, right? And and to, to access those and process those in real time, it's really, it takes a huge amount of computing to do that. Um, uh, machine learning, the giant data sets and the training and the compute necessary for the training, it's really hard to scale that up on-prem. Uh, and it just, uh, uh, it's so much easier to do in the cloud. You can do seconds what takes years. And that's transformational. Is the amount of data you've seen in the energy space different, larger, smaller? You're working in a lot of different fields these days. Is the amount of data, because we talk about so much more coming in, is it yeah. significantly different in our world? Um, so it used to be you know, in my work at, at Western Geophysical uh, back in the day, back in the 80s, I remember that we were the biggest user of magnetic tape on Earth. I remember that. I was, I was always very impressed with that number. Right. I'm aging myself a little bit there. Uh, and uh, But now with industries like media entertainment where they're doing you know 4K and 8K movies, things like that, uh, you know, some of these movies, the raw footage for a movie is uh, 320 petabytes. You know, some of the mathematical models and outputs that we see uh, in discrete mathematics and space generated from this amount of data. The IoT systems out there, you know, we're, we've got, you know, uh, just trillions of records coming in from IoT devices all over the world. All of that starts to be a significant amount of data. And even, you know, in the consumer space, we see, well, consumers recording, uh, you know, 4K movies on their iPhone and then uploading it to the cloud, right? So what used to be, we might have thought the oil and gas space had the most amount of data. Now they're, they just look like another large data customer, right? I mean, the, the, the size of data is significant, right? You connect the terabytes per minute uh, as you, you're out on the boat. Uh, and processing that data is incredibly challenging, especially when you look at things like, you know, offset seismic and, and uh, uh, you know, the Q series, all, all of the things that Slumberjay would do, things like that. Uh, Fugro and, and Albert and others um, have really sophisticated three-dimensional models they have to process in the cloud. And that uses a lot of storage and a lot of compute. So I, I still think from a compute perspective in HCC space, oil and gas is really up there. Uh, but when you compare it to like media entertainment where we're doing the rendering farms and things like that, it's right at par with it. It's not uh, the, it used to be the oil and gas, I would say, was uniquely large in compute. And now I would say, would say they are still large. They're still significant. Are there technologies you mentioned in some of these other places, Bill, and I know? Of course, nothing is not touched yeah. by your, your group and by AWS. Uh, do you see them pushing technologies in a way, whether it's entertainment or gaming or something of the like, or some of the new things you're doing that, that could have a positive impact on the energy space? Yeah, I absolutely do. It's kind of across the board. We have, uh, for example, we look at the Woodside product uh, that they built on AWS, which is their digital twin. They have a gamified interface where they ingest uh, the LiDAR information from the plant, and you can fly through the plant uh, like a video game and see the status of everything. It's really an amazing interface, uh, very rich interface. And then the other thing they've done that's really exciting is they've integrated in their Kinesis video stream. So uh, at any time, you can just click a button and see in real time what's going on on the plant with a stream. And that gamified interface is, I think, going to be pervasive as we move forward. People come to sort of expect those 3D interfaces. Fugro has uh, uh, some great examples of where for the energy industry and the pipeline industry 
others, they, they, they create, you know, these 3D uh, gamified interfaces where you can fly along the power line or fly along the pipeline, even underwater pipeline, and do inspections on it and see it in 3D. And so all of those are, are, are really exciting things that I see going on out there, along with drone operations. We, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, the snow cone is specifically designed, it's under five pounds, so you can carry it on a drone. And when you're doing that, that rig inspection or pipeline inspection, you can stream the data right onto this. Uh, a lot of times the full bed inspection is four terabytes, and then it's got the ink label, you just toss it in the mail. And all the data is triple encrypted with no key in the device, so it needs, you know, uh, uh, the specs required for top secret transmit, so it's certainly good enough for oil and gas data transmit as well. Uh, and you just toss it in the mail and then you process it. Or others, we have companies where they've got this, the larger brothers of these, the snowball edges sitting there and processing the data in real time as it streams in and running machine learning models to identify things like that leaking valves or even uh, uh, inspection gates that have been left open. It's just amazing to see the things that are going on right now uh, across all these the, these industries. Yeah, well, and going back to the famous nine-track tape, I mean, you, you know yourself what it took to get data a boat back to shore to the oh, yeah. office. I, know. I mean, it just is amazing when you hold that in your hands, right? I know, yeah, that, that's eight terabytes right there. Which is, and that's ruggedized, ruggedized eight terabytes and compute. Uh, and so and the, the, the regular cell balls, they're under 50 pounds. So they're, you know, uh, one person OSHA standard, liftable and ship, shippable on any common carrier with that being global. Uh, and they carry 100 terabytes of storage. So it's just a 100 gig networking. I, 100 gig networking, I couldn't even imagine. I remember like, you, you dreamed about having 100 gig in your, in your data center and now you have it on the snowball exactly so uh so what's what's on the cutting edge coming from from you and in aws that you can actually talk about is there anything uh um, that we're going to be excited about here shortly? Well, there's a, a lot of stuff happening. You know, we just launched the snow cone, for example. Uh, there's, you know, more happening in, in more features rolling out on the snowball for snowball edge processing. Our outpost products, which are, are more stationary products, uh, 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 go out into data centers. Those are more and more used in the oil and gas space as well. Uh, it meet data residency requirements. So that allows you to store the data locally if you have a data residency requirement in a place where we don't have a region today. So if people are worried about data residency, we can solve that with the outposts or the snowball products there for them. And there are, there are countries that legitimately have data residency requirements that affect oil and gas. Uh, another area, of course, we are working with a lot of oil companies on right now is quantum computing. Uh, and so we, we launched a service uh, uh, in beta called Bracket, uh, uh, you know, back at reInvent this year. And that continues to be of interest as the number of qubits available increase on quantum computers that ultimately will have a significant impact i believe on hamiltonian simulations and things like that for oil and gas along with production optimization you know you can imagine significant improvements in in catalysts for cracking oil and things like that uh that that would really optimize things so we're pretty excited about the possibility there you know it's early days on quantum computing though i don't want to overhype it that there tends to be an immense amount of hype i mean the hype for the future is justified. The hype for the present is it's time to learn it and it's getting better every day very quickly. So it's a great time to get on and build your quantum circuits and, and learn how to develop a, a Hamiltonian on bracket. 
and and we give uh, you know a multiple uh, uh, quantum computers available to you in real time uh, on AWS to do that with, along with simulator. So uh, we're getting a lot of positive feedback on the beta right now with customers there. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Robotics is going to continue to to advance. Uh, you know, we run about two hundred fifty thousand robots at Amazon, uh, so we've got a lot of experience in doing large scale fleet management, logistics, and operations with robotics and autonomous systems. Uh, and you're going to see more and more autonomy out there in machine learning uh, and and you know integration of this sort of three D world where you bring in say a three D world of a of a refinery or an oil rig or a seismic vessel. Uh, and you, you pull together all the IoT data from it and use things like site-wise to see what's going on in real time there. Uh, and then use something like a digital twin to gamify the interface and be able to interact with it uh, in real time. That's, I think, pretty exciting as well. Um, and then I think you're going to see more and more you know machine learning capabilities. Another area we see a lot of is uh, uh, data cleansing with machine learning too. So being able to take all those oil, those really old you know uh, uh, wireline uh, downhole uh, analog uh, uh, traces of your, you know, your your X-ray logs and your resistivity logs and all those other things that are just a squiggly line and convert those into digitization using machine learning uh, and then running machine learning models across those and then tying up. Not necessarily the sexiest topic, but I think one that, that is very foundational, which is yeah. getting that data cleaned up and yeah. it's a struggle for pretty much ever, right? Nah, yeah, and then, you know, the, the data is gold, right? So you, the more you can do with it and correlate it, the better off you're going to be. Let me just shift gears a little bit. Something I'm curious about is sort of looking at the culture aspect. So you were a Western Chico person at one time, so you've been in the industry, and obviously you've done a lot of real high-tech companies since, and what's going on in AWS is pretty amazing. Do you, when you work now with the oil and gas industry, do you think culturally it's um, moving at the right speed, capable of moving at the right speed? So I think it's it's very capable of moving at the right speed, um, but I you know I noticed that you know, it's, it varies a lot by company. Uh, there's a pretty broad range. Um, you know the companies that I've seen successful they start off with a really aggressive training program, uh, uh, so that people they demystify the cloud. That's probably the most important thing to do, right? Is you use training to demystify things. Things are scary until you're trained on them. We go, oh, this isn't all that different, right? Yeah. Uh, and and so that's something that I always recommend. And that would be an example where BP really took us up on that and spent a lot of time on training. And that has really accelerated their migration to the cloud. Uh, same thing with Woodside and, and quite a number of others. And so that leaning in on training would be the first thing I would say is important. Um, the, the thing with oil and gas space is that you do have to recognize is that, that there are human safety requirements and there's regulation requirements in this space. Uh, but that's not unlike what we do in the automotive industry, has the same kinds of things or even a lot of manufacturing spaces that we work on and certainly uh, in the defense and intelligence space where we do a lot of work there as well. So, so it's, it's similar to those. So those, those can be overcome. Uh, uh, you need to you know, lean into uh, your compliance requirements. You need to take security very seriously. Uh, you need to understand security kind of goes back to training and, and why the cloud is, is more secure than running in a data center as Gartner would say and others are starting to say now. So that's, that's becoming more and more understood in the industry. But I don't see 
see anything that that would keep oil and gas companies from moving very quickly if they want to. Uh, it, it's really a matter of, of them deciding to do it and and, and deciting to, to break out a little bit and, and, and look at what the possibilities are. Do you imagine the makeup of a traditional EMP company, the staff will look different going forward? Um, in some ways, I've seen a number of companies insource more, uh, which is as they do after this transformation, because they, they don't need, you know, uh, uh, to, to worry so much about the speeds and feeds and, you know, cabling and raised floor and those kinds of things anymore. They need to worry. Uh, in fact, they don't need to worry about operating systems and those kinds of things anymore because the cloud provides that for you. Uh, what they need to really understand is their business and machine learning and data science. So we see a transition to this data science capability and then being able to program in the cloud and move in the cloud uh, uh, and understanding the machine learning and automation and those kinds of things that, that it enables. And so I do see some transformations there, but what a geophysicist does today and tomorrow just gets easier. He's got, he or she has a lot more information. He or she can do uh, uh, more faster right and right. has more options as they move to the cloud uh and they can scale up much faster and scale down much faster so uh and work from more places as we are right now right and, and so i i think uh, those are our transitions i think even COVID has caused an interesting transition that i'm seeing uh with people being able to work from anywhere uh which before was not socially accepted by a lot of companies not just oil companies i mean paying company you know, the, across the board i i have a lot of our customers starting to question why they have so many offices, right? They, they said, hey, we can all work from home. Why, why am I spending all this money on big buildings everywhere, right? So that, before, yeah. that, it is a, it's a fascinating transition that we're seeing that, that is a result of this, but um, of this unfortunate event. But uh, at the same time, I see a lot of positive movement. I, I work with a lot of companies. I see a lot of interest in this space. Um, but you know, all companies have traditionally been technology companies. I mean, they're early adopters of a lot of technology, you know, I mean, because their problems are really hard, right? You know, and, then it, and that's also why, you know, my background in working in the Defense Department helps me also with oil companies because they have all the same problems. The Defense Department has life-critical systems. They care a lot about security. Uh, they have to operate in harsh places. That's why we have things like snowballs and things like that. Uh, they have to operate with and without networks. Right. Uh, uh, they uh, uh, have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, health and safety requirements they have to meet as well. Right. And they're global. Right. They work all over the world. And so um, a lot of what I when I'm building services uh, to meet the uh, uh, requirements for the defense industry. I will also think be thinking about the oil industry at the same time. Yeah. yeah that's an amazing analogy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we could talk forever. I, I just blow away about all the amazing things going on and what can be done. But it does seem it's pretty clear that, that uh, the evolving oil and gas industry is going to be riding the technology uh, with, um, to be more efficient and uh, and uh, handle the, the changes in the world that it's, it's facing today. And I do love your, you, you touched on it, but I, you told me once before saying, and I've, I've written it down, I'm going to rephrase it, but that something to the effect of uh, the present may be slightly overhyped when it comes to AI and ML and some of these technologies, yeah. but the future certainly isn't. Right. So, um, you know, we've got a lot, lot to look forward to. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's a, a pretty amazing space, uh, and it's wonderful to uh, come along uh, uh, with the journey with with our industry. Yeah, absolutely, it's come a long way. Well, thanks very much, Phil. Great to talk to you again. I'm glad uh, you're doing well. I hope all your uh, close family is also uh, doing well in this strange time. And uh, yeah. look forward to talking face to face in the future at another Sarah week. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it. I was really disappointed to, to not get to go this year. I was looking forward to, to, to uh, doing a panel with you there, and there live and in person. Absolutely. Especially as we were scripting it out. Thank yeah. you. All right. Talk thanks, you Take Bye. care. Thanks again for tuning in to another Sierra Week conversation presented by IHS Market. For the complete video series and previous episodes, visit us online at sierraweek.com.